0: Uh, He helped people. So one said he thought he'd like like to say he was a great family man. The next one said he really helped people. And they're all like, well, that's really good. The third one, they looked at him and he said, well, I think I'd like him to say, hey, I think he's moving. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And thank you for your precious... Children who've come here to worship you together, your family, this little part of your family, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, thank you for using me today to share your word, to spread the seed of your precious word into their hearts, that they might that it might take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well... Uh, been talking so much about the laws of the kingdom of God and the principles of those laws that affect them, how they can work for us or against us without us knowing it, and uh, it's better to know how they function so that we can cooperate with them and and benefit from them in the way that God intended, and uh, so we know that we need to pursue God, the law of active pursuit. says that uh, our life is gonna go the predominant way of our focus and uh... we realize that we have to have uh, faith without faith it's impossible to please god there's a law of faith at work uh... in the kingdom and it requires endurance uh... to run this christian life it's uh... it's a marathon uh... not a sprint and so we've been covering a lot of those things and And uh, last week we talked about the fact that we are so blessed that we've come to a kingdom that is unshakable. Because God is shaking, one more time, the heavens and the earth. Not just the mountain of Sinai where the first covenant was given to the children of Israel. But now we have a new covenant from heaven with Jesus. And it's a better covenant. And better is just better. But God is going to shake everything loose that's not of Him in the heavens and in the earth and uh, thank God that we have received a kingdom that is unshakable and it has taken up residence in us when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we just need to learn to walk it out, amen? And uh, we talked about how in uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 35 and 36, I went over the fact, I'm trying not to go to these scriptures today because I I realized I have uh, too much that I want to get to today so I'm going to skim over some of this stuff but uh, it talked about the fact that our our confidence is very important and and that's just confidence not self confidence but confidence in who we are now in our born again spirit what we have received this kingdom that's unshakable that we have received and all of that that goes with that and don't throw away that confidence because it, it offers great reward and so we need that endurance and that confidence um, so that we can uh, when we've done the will of God we can we can receive what has been promised um, and so we claim the promises we hold on we stand firm in faith unwavering not moved by the things that we see or the situations and circumstances of our life which can be quite daunting at times if we Take our focus off of Jesus. But God has said Isaiah 26, 3, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. And so that's a promise right there. We can just stand on and live by. And if that's the only one that we bothered with, which I don't recommend, I, I think you need the whole, the whole word of God. But that one alone would take you through this life in power and victory if we could really get a revelation of it and walk it out. But we're going to be tested. I talked about at the end of the message last week, our, our faith is going to be tested. The enemy's going to come and try to steal the word from us because that word is the power of God unto salvation. And if it takes root and bears fruit, then that that terrifies the enemy because he knows um, then that you know who you are. And that's his biggest fear. He doesn't want you to know that you are a powerful being in the image of your Father in heaven because... He wants you to do some creating for him, you see, because he can't create anything without your help and a and permission. And so, you know, Jesus cast a, a legion of demons out of a man and they begged him to, to let them go into a herd of pigs instead of casting them off into the abyss or torment. And he allowed that. And, uh, of course, the pigs ran down the hill, jumped in the lake and died, but... but uh, but that tells you something. Even a pig has more authority than a demon, than, than the devil does without a living body. You see? And so uh, a pig is nothing really in God's eyes. Of course, he loves all animals, and we want to be kind and all, all that. So don't, don't come after me for that. But my, my point is you are the object of God's affection, people. And so you are tremendously powerful and you just need to come to find out who you are and what you have in Christ and walk it out. Amen. And so I think we sort of ended at the point where I was talking about the fact that your faith is going to be tested. That word in you is going to be tried in this life because the enemy is going to keep probing and probing just like an enemy to check check the perimeter of your fortress, right? To see where he can whom he may devour is what it's his trying. That, that he pretends to be a lion, like a roaring lion, but he's really just a mouse with a megaphone is what we determine, right? <laughs> he's not the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he wants you to think that he has power and authority, and he doesn't, because Jesus already kicked his teeth in, ate his lunch and popped the bag and took the keys and, uh, of, of death, hell, and the grave and, uh, and, and led him an open, triumphal procession. As a defeated foe, um, and in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, I'm talking about our faith, and and, uh, and it says that Moses was able to leave Egypt without fear of the king after he killed that Egyptian soldier, and the king was mad. But it, it didn't say he ran for his life out of fear. He said he left without fear. How? By faith. He had faith in God. Hebrews eleven twenty-seven says, By faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's a very important thing. And we need to focus on the invisible. And you know, most of the time I, I'll pray for people I have prayed for many, many over the years. It says, and I'll pray and say, Well the Lord wants you well, or I believe the Lord has healed you, and all I get is I hope so. And in other words, when I see it, I'll believe it. And well, that does not help um, your situation. Uh, God is kind. He calls the rain to fall on the just and the unjust because it's the goodness of God that brings repentance. So you as a believer can go and heal an unbeliever. It says, "You, those who believe in me will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So you can do that. It's a gift from God because he loves people. He loves everyone. And it's the goodness of God that he's believing or praying or hoping that the, will bring repentance and that they will come to know him and and love him and receive him as their Lord and Savior. But I wanted to mention that there's a way that the Bible teaches us because it says that Moses focused on him who is invisible. So how do we do that? Well, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's a capital S, the Holy Spirit. You have a Spirit, in you it's a little S. And you've also, if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you have the capital S. But they... They are working together in agreement if you've been born again. Amen. But this is where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom or liberty. And we all with unveiled face, you see, uh, the new covenant, the new life in Christ lifts the veil. Everything has been removed. All of the. God's secret was Jesus and now he has been revealed to those of us who have received him as our Lord and Savior. So we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image of Christ from glory to glory, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. John four twenty four says, God is a spirit. those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So you see the invisible that you are called to focus on in the mirror of God's Word. We've taught on this recently. So we understand that this is a mirror. We look at our natural mirror to see what our natural face looks like, but we really are spirit being, and the only ones look into that mirror, Way is to look into the word of God and find out what God says about you to look at Jesus because you are the express image of him he's the express image of the Father you see so and and as you behold him glory to glory faith to faith you are being transformed your soulish realm now see the Bible you have to understand spirit soul and body because your you're born again spirit is already the same mind as Christ The same, the kingdom of God, all of it, love, joy, peace, all that you'll ever need is already in there. It's sealed and perfected forever. But you can't discern it with your natural senses. Your natural senses, your personality is your soul, and then you have this body. Well, you get that soulish realm in agreement with your spirit man, this body will follow suit. If you focus on the external, the worldly, and you let your soul and your body and be in agreement and and rule you, then you're going to reap death, because this world is corrupted, and it's under the control of the God little G of this world, who is Satan and his his armor kingdom for a, for a time, until Jesus comes back. So we see the invisible by looking in the mirror of God's word, and I don't I don't know really how you can be a have a truly prosperous relationship with the real Jesus and I say that not to be mean but for the same reason I wrote the book it was to myself because I thought I was a believer I thought I was a Christian and I wasn't because I was worshiping a God of my imagination and a lot of people do that so you can't you can't do that and call it God you can't just come up with a Jesus of your imagination who's fine with everything that you, you and just like you want it to be, and and doesn't require there's no commitment, no uh, you know, and and call it the real thing. So the Lord will speak to you about that if you ask Him. But you have to have a relationship with this Bible, and I'm not picking on people for not doing your your Bible reading or saying you have to read 10 chapters a day or or do anything like I do you do you you do what God leads you to but it's good to be led by the Spirit of God because he's always when you go into your prayer closet wherever that's at if it's in your recliner in your living room that could be your prayer closet where you get alone with God you need to have this with you because this is how he's going to speak to you and if it doesn't line up with this you're not hearing God you see, that's why we embrace all the gifts of the Spirit. We need that, but we're not going to rely on that solely because those who have and have neglected the Bible have gone shipwrecked because the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light and he might give you a little word of prophecy sometime. You need to have the Holy Spirit in you and the peace of God will umpire in your heart and he'll let you know and then it'll line up with this word as well. 2 Corinthians, see, this Bible is Jesus without eyeballs, right? <laughs> the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 2 Corinthians 4 17 and 18, for this light and momentary affliction, Paul was writing this from prison in chains. He wrote a lot of times about being cold and hungry and, and beaten so many times. Once he was stoned to death, I believe. Um, But anyway, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So we're focusing now on the eternal, not on the temporal, right? As we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary. They're passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So we're in this world, but we're not of the world. Amen? And we need to keep our feet on the ground but our eyes especially our spiritual eyes have to be set on eternity and which is more real and more everlasting it's the only thing that's everlasting because everything we see is passing away and the longer you live the more you realize that (laughs) and we have to strive to embrace the victory that jesus has already provided for us while we're here we don't have to wait till we get to the sweet by and by. We can enjoy it in the sweet now and now. The victory that He that He provided, that is, which is not only the forgiveness of our sins, but deliverance and healing. And we can't give up. And the Lord keeps making this mention to me is just, you know, it's the same reason that I'm a part of Army, which is the Association of Related Ministries. <coughs> International for through Andrew Womack's Ministers Association, because I've been out there on my own before, and, and it felt very lonely and very uh, easy to just want to get down and out and quit, and there are a lot of preachers that are just ready to quit. There are not too many that really want to be pastors, unless they're just, well, I'm not going to criticize or judge others' motives, but there are some that do it as a career choice, and, and uh, anyway, I'm just saying. There's a lot of discouraged preachers out there, just like there's a lot of discouraged Christians. And we need to do everything we can to remedy that. Amen? (laughs) Uh, Jesus said in the end time, the love of many will wax cold or grow cold. Wax like in dipping that string in a wax until you make a candle, right? You know, so many times. But wax cold and and many will fall away. And that, that means fall away from... From him and that's that spirit of antichrist matter of fact anyone that you speak to and see I see people that I love and that you love and that we all know and, and I see things even on social media and places and just I see things and I hear people talking and I'm just listening because I'm look what I'm looking for is when are you going to mention Jesus when is God going to be glorified? And not just God, you know, people don't mind you saying God. What they're, what they're trying to stop is Jesus. You know, God bless you. That doesn't bother too many folks, you see. But when you get saying Jesus is Lord and there's no way to the Father except through Jesus, that's hateful to people who hate Jesus, you see. And so you know you can offer up all the wisdom of the world you can up, up all these nice phrases and sayings and 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 things that are basically good on their face because they're really gleaning truths from this word and taking it and using it as the, even business models have been made on that but they don't give the glory to the lord so it's still godless and it's still the spirit of antichrist i don't need him in other words he's not required He's not the source of everything good. He's not required to have eternal life. And without that, I don't even want to hear it. And I'm sad for those who are sharing it and they're everyone, including Christians, is calling it good. Yay. Thumbs up, heart. You know, why? What are you glorifying? What are you helping? What are you? undergirding them for in this when they're not even mentioning the one that they call not only Savior, but Lord of their life. I'll give you a couple examples here. The Lord is with us always, right? And He wants to help us. not to wax cold, not to get discouraged. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And Psalm 37, 23 and 24 said, the steps of a good man or a righteous man, someone who's been made right with God and right standing with God through faith in Jesus are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So when you fall, when I fall, when we make mistakes, we fall short every day. Remember, the Lord will pick you up. You belong to him and he loves you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32, Jesus prayed for Peter. He called him Simon, Simon, Simon. Behold, Simon demanded, Satan demanded to have you. This is Jesus telling Peter... Satan demanded that, that he have you. Can you imagine Peter? <laughs> he goes, but, and he said that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, so he denied him three times that night after that, but he said, but when you've turned again, in other words, you're gonna, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna come back, you're gonna be all right. When you, when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. He said not only are you going to be okay and come through this I've prayed for you but now I need you to strengthen the others they're going to lose faith they're going to everybody got discouraged when this happened to Jesus you know but Peter had this word of prophecy from Jesus to keep him strong and remember you know Jesus prayed for him that his faith wouldn't fail and the other thing we need to remember is the rewards that await us to help us stay encouraged. I mean, when we have endured, when we have overcome the world by faith in Jesus. Second Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, Tim, uh, Paul was writing to Timothy, and it was his last letter. He says, I have fought the good fight. So this life is a fight. This life of faith is a fight. Because the... The, the, the enemy opposes faith in Jesus and we live in his territory hmm? and then we have a spiritual protection from that we have things available to us the entire armor of God the armies of God we have all that spiritual help but we need to know it and utilize it because we're in a fallen world we're in the war zone and this world opposes us he said I've fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith. That's how, you, that's how you fight the fight and end the race well. You, you, you finish the race by fighting the good fight and keeping the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So that's what we can look forward to just for holding on and holding out and standing strong and not denying the Lord crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will reward to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing so faith is a fight you can't escape the fight and keep the faith so just accept the fact that you're in a fight and and just know that your brother your brothers and sisters all around the world they're in the fight with you and it's, you might say, well, I wish their fight looks a little easier than mine. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And folks, you're only here for a flicker. Yes. But you have to finish the course. And The Lord's emphasis to us is on faithfulness. Remember, when I return, will I even find faith? That's what he's looking for. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I can tell you, You're going to need the Word of God and the the Holy Spirit working together. Even then, you're going to have tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want to talk to you about, about how to be fearless in these end times. They say, "Well, that didn't help by you saying that it's the end times, folks. It's it's the end times. (laughs) These are the end times. In this new life, this Christian life, as a Bible-believing Christian, I always say it's good to be a believing believer. (laughs) You need the Word and the Spirit." The church needs the Word and the Spirit. The Lord doesn't need dead, powerless churches. Come in. Welcome. <laughs> the Lord doesn't need dead, powerless churches. That's why you're not going to see a lot of the churches that close down open back up. That's just the truth. And, hi, Miss Valerie. <coughs> So, we need to be seeking God and making ourselves available to Him to be a healthy, functioning part of the End Times Church. Yeah? Yeah. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Every one of you need to be telling the Lord. It says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gifts of prophecy. You say, Lord, I'm available. Whatever you want to do, just make yourself available to Him because the gifts of the Spirit are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And He's gonna give them to, He's gonna choose whoever He will and a lot of times He'll, he'll, he'll go all the way down the top until He finds one who's available right. for Him to use. And then He'll use them to, to go and bless this other one, to speak a word of prophecy to this one, to heal this one, you see. To give a word of knowledge to this one. But we need the word and the spirit. And all that's going to be working. God told me 15 years ago. This end times bride. Because as times get worse. is going to be adorned with all the gifts of the spirit. Walking in power and love and victory. Because it's going to be necessary. Because things are going to get hotter and harder. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you in your prayer life to be saying, Lord, I'm here. I'm available. And I'm, you know, Pastor says that he's, he's supposed to be raising us up for the work of the ministry. He's not supposed to be doing it all. So I know I'm a part of this. I know you've called me to be here, but show me, show me my place. And then speak to Pastor about it. Let me see how I'm supposed to be serving and, and being used by you to help a sick and dying world. Yeah, to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Amen. You remember the day that Jesus rose from the dead? <clears throat> Everyone was bewildered and downcast. And he ran into two believers, with disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus, which is a little town about seven miles from Jerusalem. And he joined in, walked with them, but he concealed his identity from them. And they... he's like, what's wrong? What are you talking about as you go on? And they just explained to him that, hey, where have you been, man? You know, all this happened. And this was our our Messiah, you know. And he was, everything was supposed to be wonderful. And he was supposed to deliver our nation and all these things. Because they were looking for a a conquering king instead of a spiritual savior, see. And he says, oh, he called them foolish and slow of heart to believe. He said, then don't you know? That all these things had to happen. And what did he do? He didn't go, ta-da, it's me. No. He opened up the scriptures, starting with Moses, which is the first five books of the Bible. And he had a Bible study with them the whole way, revealing himself to them through the scriptures. See, everything, and all they had at the time was the Old Testament. And he revealed himself because it was all in type and shadow. And he showed them how that was the Christ and how those things all had to happen for everything to be fulfilled. And then they asked him, they invited him. It was getting to be the end of the day, late in the evening. So they asked him to stay and eat with them. He acted like he was going to go on. Then when he did, he prayed. And when he broke the bread, they, re- they saw it was him. And then he disappeared. And they said, oh, didn't we know? Didn't our hearts were burning inside of us? And anyway, and they went all the way back to Jerusalem to find the apostles, that, you know, and uh, and they did. And then they confirmed to them that he had appeared to Peter and all them. And, and so, so they did the 14 miles, you know, seven there and seven back at evening, you know, they went back, so that was exciting. But it was, why? I asked the Lord, why didn't you just show them it was you? He said, I did that for you and for them because I wasn't gonna be there forever. He was only there for what, another 40 days. <clears throat> and then he ascended to heaven he said but the word they'll always have you'll always have huh? we need this word and then you know like I, I've got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get stuck on something I'm going to forget to move on Lord have your way don't let me go on a way you don't want me to Okay. Alright, I won't talk about that for now. Maybe next week. But Psalm thirty three six says that that the, the the word by his word the heavens were made, huh? Yes. Everything that we know and see were made by the word of God, the spoken word of God. Everything that exists or ever has existed was created by God, by two agents. The Word of God, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, working together as the Father directed. Amen? Yeah. His breath is His Spirit. The breath of God is the Spirit of God. (coughs) Pardon me. Wouldn't you agree that you can't speak words without breath try it (laughs) okay so we're in agreement and they his words sustain the universe so the breath the words and breathing go together and they sustain everything in this whole universe second Peter 3 5 through 7 bears witness says for they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. You see that? By the word of God, all this was formed, not by an explosion that created order out of chaos. Never heard of such a thing. So unscientific (laughs) (laughs) to believe that science. It's not Science doesn't even work that way. But they've convinced themselves somehow. That's the deception that's in the world. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So three things there tells us what the word of God does. The word of God creates, didn't it say that? It also maintains. Everything is being held together by his word and it abolishes. It will be destroyed. All this will be destroyed by God's word as well. Isaiah 55, 10, 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth. That's a natural example. Even Isaiah spoke in parables like Jesus making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, but shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I set it. Amen. Amen. Your words are powerful, folks. Yeah. This is your garden. Your words are your seeds. You can plant flowers or you can plant weeds. (laughs) (laughs) 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills. The ministry of death. Written on tablets of stone. Oh, those are God's commandments. Those are God's words. Yeah. But that was called the ministry of death. Why? Because apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from Jesus, you didn't have the power to live up to it. So all it did was the devil was accusing you every time you looked at it. Oh. I try to live by the Ten Commandments. What are they? Uh,. Uh. (laughs) the word without the breath of God the spirit of God doesn't have any power they have to go together see what I'm saying am I making sense going to be a lot of false prophets in the end times folks we have to know Jesus we have to know his word we have to be led by the Holy Spirit for two reasons. We don't wanna be misled by deceiving spirits. Somebody talked about music earlier. I love music. You know who else does? Satan, he was the head of the choir in heaven. He was a musical instrument, beautiful. I'm not saying all music's of the devil. I'm just telling you that without the word of God, a working knowledge of what the truth of God's word says, there are a lot of deceiving Ungodly spirits can come through music. I just use that as an example because it's true. You have to be running everything through this filter. Everything that comes through these eye and ear gates need to go through the filter of God's word. And with the peace of God, which comes from the spirit of God, love, joy, peace. Peace is one of the abiding fruit of the spirit in you. Amen. Peace is supposed to be the umpire in your life. Amen. And not just to be ceased from being misled by these false prophets, but so that we can be effective for the kingdom of God. We don't want to be deceived, and we don't want to deceive anyone else. We want to help them. Same help we've received. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Just to give you an example, I, I love the word. I'm a teacher of the word. And that's I, why I told you, I, I don't need to bring a lot of teachers in. I will. I was joking, saying, You got a good teacher. Believe me, I think they're all better than me. I was just joking when I said how great I was. If you don't know me, then you don't get my jokes. But the truth is, I want to bring all the other gifts through. And you have seen a couple of the other gifts already, and you'll see more because we need all the fivefold ministry working together. Yeah, yeah. Carrie Pickett, who is uh, the vice, what is she now? The vice chairman of the Karis Bible College. She and Mike, her husband, awesome people. But she had a friend. And uh, her friend loved the Lord. And in her prayer time, the Lord <coughs> telling her something very unusual. Said, <laughs> I want you to go to the grocery store and... Right there, there's gonna be two soda machines, and I want you to go stand on your, do a handstand or whatever it is you do. You know, you know that? From when you were a kid, it's been years, right? Right between those two soda machines. She's like, that's not God. Now listen, so he kept telling her this for a few days until she just knew it was God. And I mean, she's a mother with kids and just running around doing the, you know, she's like, ain't been, hadn't done. And so finally she's like, okay. And she goes to that grocery store. And sure enough, two soda machines there, this far apart, like, like the Lord showed her. And so she gets down and she does her best to remember how to, Get up there, and she gets up there and just doing a headstand. All the people shopping and then going around, and she just does it. And she's like, "All right, did it. Got it down." And she's like, "I'm never coming back here," you know. <laughs> <laughs> Same as you would do. <laughs> so I was obedient, right? Well, she did go back, and then there was a, a cashier, and he broke down and came and saw her, and he said. I needed to tell you something. The other day, you came in and you did a handstand. She's like, yes, between the two soda machines. He said, this young man, he said, you know, I had a gun that day with me and I was gonna take my own life. And I had told God that morning before I came to work that if he was real, that somebody would do a handstand between those two soda machines over there. (laughs) Amen. 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 I could tell you lots lots of true stories like that. That's how you need to make yourself available to God. That's how close you need to get with Jesus. You need to know Him, know Him, know Him. A priest can't know Him for you. You can't go knock on a box and confess your sins to another sinner and have a relationship with God. I'm not picking on anybody. I love everybody, the whole body of Christ. But I'm just telling you, you need to know the Word of God and you need to have a close communication with the Spirit of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God breathed or given by inspiration of God. So you got 66 books here written down by about 50 writers but it was all under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of this book. That's why it's alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's even able to divide spirit and soul. Why is that so amazing? Because sometimes we don't know the difference. And we need to know. That's why we look into this mirror of the Word of God. Amen. And we have it confirmed by the Holy Spirit. We have to make a decision in these last times. There's times of such great division and strife. But we have to endeavor to find out what the Bible truly says. Hmm? We have to forget all the vain philosophy of men. We have to forget judging God by our own experiences or what, the, what we think he, he should be or what he should say or, or should be like. We have to set aside all of our human opinions and interpretations huh? and prejudices personal prejudices, racial prejudices, nationalistic prejudices, denominational prejudices, theological prejudices, all prejudices. Everybody has some prejudices, even if they're suppressed prejudices, but we all grew up somewhere, and some of them folks weren't right. But you have to set all that aside, no matter how deeply rooted it was in you, and you have to open up your hearts and your minds in all humility to hear what God is really saying. You have to be able to hear God, and when you do read this word, you have to prepare to be amazed and shocked a little bit. Yeah. John 14, and, and I'm not going to read this. I was going to read John 14, 18 through 27 because it's just when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. But he says, he says I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you, but he's gonna, I'm going to come to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you all the time and he could be with all of you all the time instead of me just being with one person at a time or a group of you at a time. The Holy Spirit's going to clump. And he said, you need him. Don't neglect him. He is your helper. He says the helper will come. Where do you think we got the name, the acronym on on the back of that shirt right there? Help to heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. That is our mission. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do for you. Amen. And to bring glory to the Father and the Son. In the end times, Paul said, 2 Timothy 3. I'm not going to read it. But you've read it. I think I might have touched on it last week. He said, in the end times, people are going to be bad. You know, It's going to get bad. But he, touched, he said a couple of things. Terrible times in the last days. And he said, people will be lovers of themselves. Remember that? And lovers of money. And I just want to tell you. Those two things alone, and he lists a bunch of specific uglies. But lovers of self, that is the biggest problem in our nation and in the world. It's caused the degrading of the family. It's why that people say, oh, there's 50% divorce rate in the church, just like there is in the world. I don't care about your church attendance. You should be in church if you're a Christian. But if with God, there's a 100% success rate, huh? you need to get rid of all your exit strategies. You need to get rid of your self-will and all of your selfishness. Selfishness is the root cause of the breakdown of the family, which is the root cause of the breakdown of everything in this nation. God had a plan and when we mess it up, when we mess up his order of things, we invite someone else in. When we push him out of an area of our lives, that there's a void created and it's only gonna be filled by darkness because God is light. There's only light or darkness. There's only good or evil. I, I gotta get to this. I wanna turn to the book of Revelation chapter one. And I encourage you to read this book through the spiritual lenses of grace and righteousness that you are the righteousness of God. You are the redeemed, justified child of the Most High God and it will be exciting for you because there's nothing for you to fear. Hmm? But I do wanna point some things out because I think that a lot of people don't hear all of God's truth because frankly, I mean, look around. We're about we're here at about what a, a third of our normal attendance, just because it's a pretty day, or what? I mean, some people are ill, you know. But and we're one of the churches that doesn't have the valet parking and the child care and all that yet. We will, amen, when we get our place. But it's hard enough to keep, you know. You're not going to find the the biggest mega-church attendance in the place where you get the most truth. That's just a fact. It's sad, but it's true. Matter of fact, most of the messages in those places are designed to be sure not to offend. And then they're supposed to get the discipleship in the small groups, which generally fail because they don't have an anointed or appointed person there in the small group And a lot of them turn into gossip and football parties and things like that. Food, you know, food is good. I like food, but it shouldn't be about that. Revelation 1. And I just want to give you a little word of advice. This is something I had to learn a long time ago. Because God, I love God, He loves me, we have a great relationship. I don't know everything. He hasn't shown me everything. Matter of fact, you can't handle the truth. I sound like, what's his name? You. <laughs> but I gotta qualify that. The Lord said, don't ever, don't ever assume what my children can handle. Let them make, but I, what I'm saying is we can't handle all of this at once, this logos. This is, this is the full counsel of God. That's why the rhema is all, we, we just trust God. We're sheep, we're not meant to carry packs on our back. We're not meant to carry the weight of this world. That's God's job. Thank you, Lord, (laughs) amen. Okay, but what I'm gonna recommend to you, don't try to interpret prophecy. Don't try in your own effort to conjure up or work, figure out or, or, yeah, I think it, don't do that. Just pray, like I told you before, speak to the Lord about it, and let the Holy Spirit know that you remain open To Him regarding anything He wants to reveal to you. Yeah? Because if He reveals it to you, it'll be for your edification and for you to edify or to build up and strengthen others, you see? Otherwise, it's it's not really your business right now. So don't try to impress people with what you don't know. Yeah. I'm not afraid to say, I don't know. Let's find out together. Let's pray. Let's go ask some other godly mentors that I have because I got a lot of them. And I asked them all the kind of questions. <laughs> Revelation 1, verse 10 through 17. And I'll just read. John, the Revelator, he was on the island of Patmos. And John knew Jesus in this life when he was with him. He was probably the most intimate with him as a friend, you know? He was a young man who Jesus loved, and he loved everybody. But John knew he loved him, and they were close. He's the one who leaned his head on his bosom at the Last Supper, we call it, and asked him, who's going to be the one that does you wrong, Lord, you know? So they were close. But here in this revelation, when the Lord came to him, he said, I'm the Alpha and Omega. He didn't come to him as a suffering savior, he came to him as a conquering king and uh, something I'll show you here in just a second. I'm the Alpha Omega who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and patient endurance with that, are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos, this where he was in exile, on account of the word of God, that's why he was in exile, And the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. Now, it's really five. Some of the translations, but nevertheless, to the churches, to all the churches. There was different texts available when some of the translations were written, there are better t- translations available, better text anyway. Don't let that throw you off if you have a different, if it says five or seven. To Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. Like I said, if it says five or seven. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters john was very close to jesus in this life like i said but now in revelation he sees him differently for the first time john sees jesus as judge those descriptive things about jesus even the legs and the all that, those are all represent different forms of judgment. Yes, they do. Second Corinthians 5.10, Paul said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So listen, there's a difference in his judgment seat and the white throne judgment. That one's, that one's for the unsaved and you don't want that one. But there will still be a judgment. We will all stand before Christ and he's going to judge good or evil. There's only two categories. You see that? No mealy mouth fence no sitting with Jesus. It's either light or dark. It's either good or evil. And I'm going to tell you, this is very dramatic to me. I have seen the Lord Jesus, but I've never seen him this way yet, but I will. I've seen Jesus as my advocate standing next to me in the courtroom, and I've seen him how, I've seen him as a friend, I've seen him as a father, as my guide walking with me when I turned back and there were the sheep without shepherd and when I was trying not to be a pastor. And and it was like, what about them? And he's like, if you don't, they won't. But he was guiding me. I was going home with him. But I haven't seen him as a judge. (coughs) Those seven lampstands, let's keep going. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. So he saw seven golden lampstands and then in his right hand he saw seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. That's the word of God. So the seven lampstands are the seven churches that he was speaking to. Those represented all the churches in the the early church. And it's important for us to see that God's primary concern in all human history is on his church. Yeah. We are his first concern. Yeah. The first place that John saw him was walking in the midst of the churches. The seven lampstands, walking to and fro, examining them. And the seven stars were the angels of the churches, which were the the ministers of the churches, you see. So it's really cool to to see that the Lord holds his ministers in his right hand. What a humbling, awesome thought. But God's priority is is his church. And then in Revelation chapters two and three, the, the messages, and I'm not gonna go into the message because he had a different message for each church, didn't he? But I wanna point out to you that the messages to the seven churches, every message, I it like this, every message was sent to a church, right? not to the world (laughs) and so if anyone who was not in a church they never got the message I believe more and more and more than ever before especially as the last days approach and we enter into this third great awakening that God really desires and expects for every Bible-believing believer to be a committed member of a church body, a congregation. And I'm not saying that to condemn or to hurt anyone, but it's just the truth. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you read this Bible, you know that is true and you'll have a witness from the Holy Spirit telling you That if God's concern and his only plan, he doesn't have a plan B to get the message out to save the world. It's the church. We're the one that he has handed off the baton to and given all of his power and authority and the words of life. And we all need to be in a church congregation. And I recommend this one, of course. Grace and Truth Church in Cypress, Texas but in the very least, one whose leadership welcomes the full counsel of God and allows Jesus by agency of the Holy Spirit to govern the church. That's what everyone needs to know for sure. But to the the five churches, he said, I know your works. And like I said, if yours says seven, don't worry about it. I know your works. And he, didn't he say that? Don't make me go read it, you know how long I'll be. He said, I know your works. He said, he didn't say, I know your denominational sign out front. <laughs> he didn't say, I've read your statement of faith. In other words, I'm not interested in what you say, but what you do, right? And to five of the seven churches, his first command was what? Repent. You see, you don't hear this in church anymore, and it's sad. Because when you hear repent, some of you still remember reading the Scarlet Letter when you were a senior in high school. It's not about beating yourself or suffering in sackcloth and ashes. No, repentance is just changing your mind regarding the things of God, the thing you were focused on the world's way and say, oh no, this is what God says about this. I'm going to change my mind and turn toward God. I've repented now. That's it, man. That's what repentance is. A change in mind regarding the things of God which... Re, which produces a change in actions regarding that particular thing. That's it. How easy is that? I mean, is that better understood? Okay. I know your works, and he said, "Repent, because without repentance, there is never—you can never come to true faith." Right. I mean, it, I mean, just think about it. If you're still doing something the world's way when you find out God's way is different and you decide to stay with the, the world's way, how can you say that you're in faith? Because if it's not faith, it's sin. That simple. Yeah. It's just the truth. Paul says examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. Not a bad idea. Because the first condition of faith is repentance unto faith. And then unto salvation. Yeah. In Christ. Listen, can I give you a a few people that you might take it from better than me? I know you love me and trust me. But how about John the Baptist? Wasn't his message? Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. I got one better. Jesus Christ. He started preaching. Didn't he? Three and a half years. What did he say? Repent. Repent and believe. What about Peter? remember when Moses gave the law at the foot of Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. But... The day of Pentecost when the church was birthed, Peter gave a sermon and 3,000 were saved. What was his sermon? It's right here in Acts. Repent and be baptized (laughs) in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being baptized without repentance is a waste of time. I know, if you read my book, and gave me a good review on Amazon. <laughs> you know, I was baptized a couple of times, once drunk, and all I got was wet. <laughs> because there was nothing happening in here. It was all superficial. It wasn't about the Lord, it was about me. See, being baptized in an outward expression of an inner commitment and change that has already taken place, amen. Acts 20, verse 21, Paul said, I have not failed to preach to you from uh, among you and from house to house. I'm trying not to go there. Amongst you and from house to house, repentance and faith toward God. Isn't that what he said? In other words, I've my, my heart is pure. I, I'm, I'm good. I did my part. I, repre- I pre- preached. Wherever we were in congregations or from house to house, whenever I was with you, repentance and faith toward God. Repentance and faith toward God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Revelation three, verse 21, page over, maybe on the same page. He said, to the one who conquers, who over, which means overcomes, who, the overcomers. And how do we overcome? We overcome the world by believing on Jesus. Yeah. They said, "What must we do?" Then they asked Jesus, "What must we do to do the works our Father requires in heaven?" Right? I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. They asked him. They're always trying to impress Jesus. They want to ask him something, and he can tell them, and they go, "Oh, I've, I've done, I did that," you know. <laughs> and then he'd shoot them down every time. <laughs> every time they try to brag on themselves apart from God. What must we do to do the works of God? He said, believe on the one who he sent. Believe on Jesus. So that's how we overcome the world. And it says to the one who conquers, who overcomes the world by believing on Jesus, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, just as my father as granted to me because I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. But the promises are only to the overcomers. So congratulations, you're doing good, you're doing good. Stay in the race, don't quit, keep on going, don't stop to argue with the hecklers in the stands. Because you're going to have some. you got to have a tender heart and skin like a rhino. Otherwise, you're going to get discouraged. <laughs> I love rhinos. So, how can I achieve this lasting faith? The endurance that God requires of me. Repent of the ways of the world. Turn to God. That's repentance. Make a firm, unequivocal, didn't I say last week? Firm, unequivocal, no looking back, determined, unreserved commitment to Jesus. Not just the forgiveness part, which does, sounds good to everyone. You know, I, have a lot of, I know a lot of people that go to other countries, like, especially like in India and stuff like that, where they have all kind of gods. And they have no trouble getting people to pray and receive Jesus, all right. But this one guy, he was like, Lord, I'm getting thousands every day the first couple of days. he says, yeah. Because they have lots of gods and you're offering them something good with this one. They say, why not? We'll take him too. He said, pray, tell them that's me to the exclusion of all others and see how it goes. And he tried it and he's like, people were like, He's not gonna share his throne. He'll share it with you if you keep faith in him one day. But he's not gonna share it with any other God, little G. No, no. He didn't come here just to be one of the ways. Why would why would the father do that to his son? Would you do that to your son just to give people another option? On a play in a, you know? in a world where we like such a large menu. Our menus have 40 pages now, because we're so spoiled. There's no options with God. There's just God, Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. (coughs) Barnabas, (laughs) which means encourager, he, he went to Antioch in the book of Acts after Stephen was martyred. Then he heard about some new converts, you remember that? And it says in Acts 11.23, when, when he came and saw the grace of God, <coughs> he was glad and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose or resolve. You make your mind up that you're going to stick with the Lord regardless of what comes against you. Persecution the riches of the world, because those are the ways you're going to be tried. Either way, you're not going to be swayed. And let me tell you, where did I say that Barnabas went? Antioch, right? Well, Paul had been stoned to death, I believe, to death. I believe that's when he went up to the third heaven. We don't know for sure, but but some of the Jews who did it were from Antioch. (laughs) Acts 14, 22 says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. He's telling us there's no way into the kingdom of God except by tribulation, isn't he? And man, those guys endured a lot of tribulation. (laughs) Paul, one place in, in I think in 2 Corinthians, he lists some of the things that he went through and wow. And then he just called it all light and momentary afflictions. Why? Because his sight was set on the unseen, on God, on, the, on our heavenly home. And he knew that this life is just but a, a wisp in the wind, just a flicker. But you know, foe, you have to declare, whether I'm in the palace or in the pit, I'm gonna make a hit for Jesus, for the kingdom of God. The key to enduring is seeing him who is invisible. We gotta keep our eyes, our focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Does that mean He's looking to judge you? No, He's encouraging you. To stand faith. This is where your help is. This is where your provision is. Huh? This is faith is the hand that reaches out and grabs hold of the things provided by grace that are already on account for you, which is not only forgiveness and salvation, but deliverance and healing, prosperity. You know, in Ezekiel chapter thirty-four. I've carried this around for years, but the Lord spoke to me through Ezekiel chapter 34. You see that heal, power love, prosper right there? That's where I came up with it from from reading this because he was scolding the shepherds of the day. God was getting on to the shepherds of the flock. And he wasn't talking about literal sheep. He was talking about the teachers of the people, right? And he's telling them that there was a lot of things that they hadn't done. They were being selfish. They were feeding themselves and not feeding the sheep and, and so on and so forth and so on. And he goes on, you, you're not feeding the sheep. You're not strengthening the weak. You're not healing the sick. You're not binding the injured. You're not bringing back the strays. All, all uh, herdsman terms, right? You're not seeking the lost. But he's talking about people. And it goes for us today just as much as it did for them then. So we feed sheep by teaching them the Word of God. This is the manna from heaven, the Word of God. We strengthen the weak. Where is all the power for the Christian life comes? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and if you don't have it, you need it, folks. You need to pray about it. You need to seek, seek it out. You need to ask God because it says he's really excited to give it to you and I will be happy to help you if you don't have it I think most of you are baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues if you don't you need to folks it'll help you in so many ways especially as the times get tougher and tougher okay bring back the strays he said what's that Lord I said he said that's deliverance that's deliverance there are a lot of people that are I don't care, you can say, well, demon can't live in a born-again body. I don't care if he's in you, on you, riding around on your shoulder, oppressed, (laughs) depressed, or whatever it is, there are a lot of people need deliverance. Bring back the strays, seek the lost, that's evangelism, and lead with love and kindness, that which has been entrusted to you. So that's where I said, you know, we just need to help heal. People everywhere they hurt, empower them through the promises of God's word, love them with the love of God, and let them love out of that overflow and help them to be prospered through the promises of God to know who they are and what they have in God. We need to help, we need to receive that help ourselves so that in turn we can go and help others with the same help we have received. Amen. Amen. And I tell you, what God went on to say in Ezekiel 34 is because you haven't done it, I'm going to do it myself. That's what he told them. That was in the old covenant, thank God, because he did. Jesus came and then, you know what the story, he went out in, in the beginning of Luke, he went out he was baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John. He received baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he came up in power and in victory and he went out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and he came back. Stronger than horseradish. And he began to minister, began to minister. He went to his hometown of Nazareth um, where he grew up and he (coughs) picked up the scroll and read and he, he, he basically took on that ministry, huh? Everything I just described from Ezekiel 34, that's, that's the life that he led, that's the ministry. Haven't you heard about Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10 38, who was anointed with power and with the Holy Ghost and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That was his ministry, was doing all the things right there. He, he, he fed the sheep, he strengthened the weak, he healed the sick, he binded up the injured, he, brought back the strays, he sought the loss and he led with love and kindness. And when he left, he handed that responsibility over to you, amen. And now he is in these earthen vessels, these jars of clay, the Holy Spirit, Jesus by agency of the Holy Spirit is in each one of us. So now he can be everywhere, that he needs to be as long as we are willing. And he keeps that great, tremendous power and authority and victory in these humble jars of clay. Why? So that we don't start thinking it's us and not him. If God's not doing something or calling you to do something bigger than you ever could in your own strength and finances and ability, then it's not God because he wants to do something big so you know it wasn't you. And everybody else does too, amen. Amen. He said, those who believe in me, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But, same as he told Jairus, when he was going to raise his daughter from the dead, when they said, oh, don't worry, she's already dead. Jesus looked at him, he said, Don't be afraid. Only believe. And she will live. Same thing he's telling us today. Fear is the opposite of faith. You got to feed your faith. Starve your fears. You may like a seesaw. Only one end can be up at a time. Faith. Unbelief. Faith. Unbelief. Never seen a seesaw do this. (laughs) It won't, not made that way, neither are you. You can operate in faith and then unbelief can, and you start with this spiritual tug of war, right? Cancels out, nullifies your faith. God has never turned it off. All the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you need are right here in your born again spirit. But you gotta believe, you gotta speak it, You gotta take this little hyssop and spread the blood, spread the word, the spirit. You have to take this logos and speak it, make it rhema. Make it rain, make it rhema in Jesus' name. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. So to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the help that he offered and that's the help that we need to be receiving and out of the overflow, giving to others. Is that right? That's what the name Jesus really means, you know? A lot of people have problems. Oh, they shouldn't call him Jesus. He's Yeshua, he's this thing. Yeah, Jesus is derived from the Hebrew Yeshua, which literally means to deliver, to rescue, or could you just say to help? Hallelujah. Now that helper has been sent to you Jesus, by agency of the third person of the Trinity, lives in you and with you. And he has come. He's that paraclete that has come alongside you to take a hold together with you of all the obstacles that come against you in this life. Amen or oh me. Oh, I have a lot more, but I've gone over my time. I love you too much to keep, keep, you, keep you hold here. So we'll start again next week. We never finish. We just stop and start again. Amen. Amen. You get anything out of this today? Lord talking to you. Amen. Amen. Your Lord, a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your your precious love and, and promises. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for teaching us and growing us up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to receive all of the help that you died to provide us with so that we could live the abundant life of victory and peace and joy and health and wholeness and salvation that you died to provide us with, Lord. Help us not to let any of the grace that is on account for us go unused. Help us to spend all the grace that you've given us for today and then tomorrow, if you, tarry. We'll start again, and we'll spend all the grace you give us for tomorrow. Thank you for loving us so much. We are your children. We are the overcomers. We will not quit. We will not be swayed. We will stand in faith. When you return, if, you, if we're still here, when you return, you will find faith. You'll find it in us. We declare it. If you help us, Lord, and we know that you are here to help us, Holy Spirit. So thank you for that. We love you. We bless you. I speak a blessing of, of health and provision and wholeness and peace over everyone hearing this message. We love you. God loves you, and I love you. Thank you, Holy God. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.